Hey, it's Andy. I know you're not used to getting a new podcast from me on this day during the football season, but that's about to change because I'd like to introduce you to Football and Grits. It's our new SEC football podcast, and it's hosted by the great David Ubbin. It's going all week. He's going to have our great cast of SEC beat writers and other luminaries from college football, and every Monday, I get to be on. David and I are going to break down all the action from the previous weekend in the SEC. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will talk about how to properly cook grits. Butter, salt, pepper. Not complicated. Northerners don't get it, but it's okay. We'll talk about that, and mostly we'll talk about SEC football. It's going to be a blast. Here is the first episode of Football and Grits. Hello and welcome to the debut episode of Football and Grids, the Athletics' new SEC podcast. I am your host, David Ubbin, with my co-host, Andy Staples. Andy, we got some housekeeping to get to, but first of all, it's game week. How are you feeling right now? It feels like it's actually football season now. This is it, It's really <laughs> weird because it feels like we have not talked about the SEC as much as we would in a normal preseason. If this were... A normal year, and this were the week before Labor Day, and we were talking about the SEC, we would have spent the last four weeks going over all these various scenarios, what might happen during this season, what the hell is Georgia going to do at quarterback, you know, can Florida overcome Georgia, uh, who's going to be Alabama's quarterback as of week five, is it going to be Mac Jones or Bryce Young, I mean, all that stuff. It feels like we're not asking those questions at all right now and it's going to hit us like a freight train when they actually start playing on Saturday. Wendy, let's start shoveling some coal in there because it's time to uh, hit the folks with a freight train. Before we get going though, Football and Grits, appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, Subscribe, whatever uh, podcast spot you are uh, frequenting, you can find us there. Uh, If you're listening to us in the Athletic app, you can listen to us ad-free, but we're going to be here every day. So make us part of your commute, make us part of your daily routine. Andy and I will be here every Monday recapping the weekend that was, starting today, of course. On Tuesdays, you can hear Aaron Suttles, our Alabama writer. Uh, On Wednesdays, you can hear myself and Josh Kendall, our South Carolina writer. And on Thursdays, I'll be back again with Mitch Light, our college football editor. He's been in Nashville. Uh, He knows the SEC. He's been working with Athlon. You guys will love him as well. And on Friday, you'll hear Picks Against the Spread. Uh, from a variety of writers. We're going to have contributions from Seth Emerson, our Georgia writer, Peter Baugh, our Missouri writer, uh, Alan Taylor, our uh, Florida writer, and, of course, Brody Miller, our LSE writer, who chronicled the Tigers' run to the national championship last year. The whole gang is going to be pitching in, uh, but you'll hear plenty from me, plenty from Andy. Uh, Andy, you have now a second podcast. and uh, Now, how, how are you feeling about uh, uh, our audio efforts and, of course, the season and, and and being able to talk about some football. This is great because these are conversations we would have had on the phone anyway. So we may as well record them and, and let everyone else in on it and let them join the conversation. And, and who knows, maybe they give us some ideas about what we need to be talking about. Cause that's, that's one thing is I, I like the interactive podcast experience, whether it's, it's the people who actually have my phone number who will text me as they listen to the podcast going, how could you say this? Or the people on Twitter or, or Instagram or Facebook who let me know, hey, you're an idiot. And they're usually right. That's a fair, that's a fair criticism. 
Wendy, let's get into it. Uh, it feels good to be able to talk about football. Same, same as we, same conversation we've been having in the SEC for several years. Alabama and Georgia on a collision course for Atlanta. Where are some places that that, that train can go off course? What is the path to a SEC championship game that is not just Alabama and Georgia playing again, and this year for the second time in, in one season? I think the simplest one is Florida overcomes Georgia finally. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I keep saying I'm not picking Florida to beat Georgia until I see Florida beat Georgia, but that seems like the simplest one. Florida has a good team coming back, pretty veteran heavy, didn't have the opt-outs that, that we thought they might have when, when camp started, and it feels like they're, they're pretty complete. So that's probably the simplest one. And then the other one would be Alabama doesn't make it. And, and look, I know LSU lost a ton. But remember, LSU is recruited at a very high level under Ed Orgeron. They will not fall off the table. And then there's also the team that also beat Alabama last year, and that's the Auburn Tigers. We, we, I feel like we're not talking about them very much. But since Kevin Steele's been there, I feel like we, we can give their, their defense the benefit of the doubt. They did lose some very good players, but they've got some good guys back. Offensively, if Bo Nix takes another step forward – I think there's a chance that they could be a very tough out for all of the elite teams in the SEC. I mean, we're going to find out. They're playing Georgia Week 2. But I feel like it's not the easiest path. Plus, we've always said, what will it be like if you had to play more conference games? Well, now we're going to see, does a 10-game conference schedule automatically bring in some losses? You know, the idea of an undefeated or one-loss division champ, it may not be that easy this year. And I wonder, too, the teams, the Alabamas and the Georgias that have all these four- and five-star guys sitting there, and once you get to your third-teamers and when you're in November and you've got to uh, lean back, does that talent level, you know, when, when Georgia and, uh, and Alabama are playing some inexperienced four-stars and the rest of the league is playing, you know, a medium three-star that hadn't really played, does that gap come up? We'll, we'll see. Not to be a, a damper out of the gate, but I would say, for, for, for me, there's two things. One... Obviously, COVID nineteen related issues. You know, if if you lose a handful of starters for you know a few weeks or a month, that's going to be a problem. You know, if you if you're you're down you know a couple key guys uh, and and they just sort of disappear in a key stretch. I mean, that's the simplest way I think in a year like this that this can go off the rails. And second, yeah, there's a there's a lot of who who do you have today? I, I think that's the thing we've we've learned from the games that have been played so far is you can have relatively few guys knocked out but if they're the wrong guys you look yeah. like a different team mm-hmm. and second are we are we sure georgia's offense is going to be okay i i listen i i i am with our friend ari wasserman and, and and stars mattering but and i'm a big believer in todd munkin but you got a weird deal at quarterback apparently jt daniels hasn't even locked that down uh you know math well, what's wrong with dewan mathis winning it why is that Listen, bad? He was I'm Ryan not saying Day, it's bad. Ryan Day wanted the man at Ohio State. Is Ryan I'm Day not, not a good judge bad. of QB talent? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying if you're a week before the season, I like teams that know who their quarterback's going to be and are sort of building that way. And they're placing, obviously, most the offensive line. Not an ideal offseason to install a new offense. I think I think they'll be fine, but if it goes a little haywire in the first month, and they you know first month six weeks, and they drop some games, they probably shouldn't. I can't say I'd be floored. You, you can't win games in the SEC twenty seventeen every single week. You got to score some points, and, and Georgia's gonna have to be able to no, score points you against can't. Atlanta. 
which is the point of making the changes they made. And, and you're right. We don't know that they're necessarily going to work. What we do know is that defense is going to be good. So it's going to keep them in games. And if the offense is a little bit better, then Georgia's going to win the East again. And then it's just a matter of can they overcome whoever comes out of the West, which we're assuming to be Alabama. But that that's the thing. That defense is so good that the offense doesn't really have to be much better. If the offense is much better, I don't think we'll see an LSU-like leap for you know for Georgia, but I do think we'll see a Georgia's competitive for the SEC and national championship type leap if the offense is good. Yeah, and, and in the West, I think you know Alabama's going to be very good, but it's it's a weird year. A lot of contenders there: Auburn, A and M, LSU. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a couple teams at eight and two, and Alabama loses a tie break. I can't say that would that would floor me. We'll be right back to the show, but first we've got to talk about Home Field Apparel. That is the most comfortable shirt you ever wore with the coolest old school logo from your favorite school. Indiana fan, Mississippi State fan, Purdue fan, Colorado School of Mind fans, they got you covered. And right now, if you're a Syracuse fan, get yourself to homefieldapparel.com. So much auto the orange merchandise. It's brand new. It's so cool. The best logos, not the corporate stuff you can get now that's boring and approved by a bunch of focus groups. No, this is the good stuff that came out in the 40s and the 50s and the 70s and the 80s. We skipped the 60s. I don't know why, but no. These are logos from throughout the history of your school, and they are so much cooler than anything else you can get now. And Homefield Apparel puts it on the most comfortable t-shirts and sweatshirts that you will ever find in your life. So show some school spirit for your favorite team or for your alma mater. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. College football is back, baby. That's homefieldapparel.com and use code Andy for 20% off your first purchase. One thing that's interesting with Alabama, and, and I think the other team in the country that is kind of like this is Ohio State, they've done the best job of keeping their guys who could have easily opted out, could have said, I'm, I'm going to train for the draft. Like We know Dylan Moses came back because he wants to improve his draft stock. He wants to show people the knee injury is not affecting him that much. And that's fine, but when this season decided it was going to be weird, he could have opted out. Alex Leatherwood could have opted out. Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith could have opted out. They're all still there. And I think that is probably a case of the gap widening because they were able to keep those guys. Ohio State in the Big Ten is a similar example where some of the very special players on other Big Ten teams opted out. Ohio State managed to keep Justin Fields, got Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade to come back. So Alabama's sort of in that same boat. Number two, we got to tackle this. Who in week one is going to most dramatically change what we think about them one way or the other? So I think there's one game in week one, David, that, that could do that a couple of different ways, and that is, that is South Carolina-Tennessee. If South Carolina wins that game, it will be the end of the world in Knoxville, and in Columbia it'll be, woo, we finally got an offense that works, we got an offensive coordinator who knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. It, it will be the ultimate overreaction. It, it's interesting because I was thinking about this after the, the first week of NFL games. 
in college football, we didn't have that weird overreaction with any of the, the games that have been played so far. I do think with some of these SEC games, specifically South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky, Auburn, we could have some severe overreactions to those results. I'm definitely with you. I think, you know, if Tennessee loses that first game, uh, you're going to hear some some uh, fool's gold on the six-game six winning streak last year. Which I think there's still some questions. They didn't beat an elite team uh, in that run. They're going to have to do some soul-searching, though. I think both of those games, you know, uh, if, if South Carolina loses, especially if they lose in a uh, resounding fashion, you're going to have some coaching search questions, I'm sure. Uh, on the other side, I, I think a second game, Chaos Auburn, Kentucky, I'm watching that. You know, obviously they got a lot. Kentucky should get some clarity on Joey Gatewood's situation this that, week. That's th- what get- if Joey Gatewood winds up playing QB against Auburn right <laughs> Revenge now? Revenge game. Revenge game. But if he's eligible, the Wildcats can make some noise. I mean, listen, he's not going to be the same kind of runner as Lynn Bowden, but you can do some similar things. Then obviously he's going to be a little bit of a better passer. So. Uh, you know, I, I just I think you got to watch out for them, and, and in week one especially, where there's going to be some weird stuff this year, uh, Kentucky could make some noise in that opener. Uh, so that's my other game where I think people are going to start to put some respect on Kentucky's name if they win that game. Uh, Kentucky's the one when the when the schedule came out. My whole thing was find who has to play Kentucky after a really tough game, because that and and Georgia unfortunately probably got the worst of it. They have at Kentucky right after at Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, I think on Tennessee, too, if they can win that game, they should feel pretty good because they've been hit as hard as anyone with contact tracing. Again, they were missing, you know, 40, 50 guys at one point in the offseason or in the preseason camp. Uh, you know, they're only going to practice 20 to 22 times. They've had some starters that have missed significant time. So if the Vols can win that, you know, they're, they're going to have some, some – uh, they're going to be feeling themselves a little bit. Uh, big picture, though, when you look at the entire season, who's getting a little too much shine coming in, and who is who are people overlooking? I think we're overlooking South Carolina because I think they could be better. I, I, I really do. You know, I, I don't necessarily worry about Will Muschamp defenses, even though a couple years ago they, they were not very good on defense. But they should be fine defensively, and I want to see what Mike Bobo does as the offensive coordinator because – it's if you think back to Will, you know throughout Will Muschamp's head coaching career, whether it's at Florida or at South Carolina, it, there's never been a coordinator who could just say, "Hey, Will, I got this. Don't worry about it." He respects Mike Bobo enough. They've they've they go back far enough that Bobo is not going to accept any sort of meddling in there. Even if the guy is the head coach, he's going to say, "Look, okay, I, I know what I'm doing here. Let me do this." And a competent offense at South Carolina means a team that can win games in the East. I mean, shoot, they beat Georgia last year, and they mm-hmm. were not a competent offense. So what if they were? And they could beat anybody else in the East. It's a good question. I, I We got to talk about Florida. I've never understood the Florida the last couple years. Uh, 21 wins in two years is amazing. But when you watch yeah. them and you watch a lot of other top 10 teams, I, I don't see a team that just makes me say, wow, ever. And so when people start talking about them as maybe a playoff team or an SEC champion uh, contender, I just I don't see it. And ironically, I've seen them lay the smack down on Tennessee in person the last two years. 
But I just think, you know, you look at the personnel and you and you there's not a lot of guys on the field that just that just make me say, Oh my goodness, the same way, especially when you watch Georgia and Alabama. Am I wrong on the Gators? Mm-hmm. No, I think you you've got the right read on it. Florida has overachieved the last two years. You know, the thing is Dan Mullen's done a really good job coaching the players he has, but to get where they want to go, to be what they want to be, they have to have rosters that look like Georgia's and Alabama's. They're not there yet. They do have some players like that. I mean, Kyle Pitts, the tight end, is one guy like that. Kyer Elam, the the cornerback, is like that. So they are kind of working toward that. But you're right. It is a matter of them overachieving. It's not a matter of them being overwhelming where they can have a terrible day and all and, and still beat somebody you know they can't afford to have a terrible day against Kentucky they can't afford to have a terrible day against South Carolina mm-hmm. they can't afford to have a terrible day against Tennessee whereas you know Georgia could have a bad day against one of those teams and still win the game Florida's got to play well to win those games so it, what we're basically saying is Florida can get there but Florida's got to work a lot harder than than a Georgia or an Alabama to, to do it yeah, I think I, you look up and you see them as a top five team, and I'm saying, ah, I don't know. I'm selling all my LSU stock also. I believe in Joe Brady. I believe in Joe Burrow. Aranda as well. All gone. Icing too much. Too much. I, uh, you know, they'll be fine, but top ten team, SEC contender. I picked them fourth in the West. I'm all the way out. The flip side, my sleeper, Aggies have been recruiting at a national title caliber level. Returning quarterback, tons of continuity. You know, I know the the Jamon Osmond, Anthony Hines opt-outs introduce some questions. I get the folks who sort of want to laugh and say, Aggie's going to Aggie. We've seen it a lot. But the pieces are there. You know, Jimbo Fisher is still a guy who orchestrated a national champion at Florida State. Nobody's really talking about them. And I think when you talk about that sort of quartet at the top of the West that can really compete, the Aggies are getting left behind. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they're necessarily going to win, but if they are getting into the last couple weeks of the season and they control their own destiny, I, I would not be surprised if that's, that's where they find themselves. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm, I'm just not feeling it, or whatever, all kinds of reasons. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it because with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started, simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash grits and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. So again, go to GetRoman.com slash grits today, and if approved, you get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash grits. GetRoman.com slash grits we you know when we were looking at them with having Jamon Osmond maybe having Baylor Cup to to compliment Weidermeyer at tight end that was a, a very different offense than I think the one we're looking at now but here's the thing there are some young guys who they're very excited about who will see if they can come in and step up 
then this might be a competitive team. And I mean competitive for the West title, which means if you, hell, if you win the West, you win the national title. So Demond Demas, Devon, Devon Oshane, watch those two guys. If they are as good as advertised during their recruitments, then Demas is a, is a crazy story. Didn't play at all at senior high school because of eligibility issues. So he hasn't really played other than the, the Polynesian Bowl All-Star game in the last couple of years. But he does some freaky, freaky stuff. So if if he comes in and then Oshane, who is kind of a small, you know, he could play running back, he could play receiver, he's going to return kicks. There's a lot of stuff he can do. All of a sudden, A&M might stack up talent-wise with Alabama, with Auburn, with LSU. And if they do, and you get toward the end of the season and you've had some guys go down and a&M might have the most veteran heavy group. They, they might have the most people in the West who've played in those spots. Alabama has quite a few. But A&M, depending on how the, the, the dice roll, could have a very veteran heavy group playing toward the end of the season, controlling its destiny. That would be very, very interesting because I, I think you're right. Uh, we, we don't talk about them much because they've never really – gotten over that hump the the five and three four and four in the sec hump well this is a different different animal with a 10 game schedule there's no non-conference there's no warm-ups and we'll know what a&m is pretty quick i mean they play alabama very early i can hear it already andy an off-season tradition like in unlike any other gassing up the aggies <laughs> we'll see time will tell well time at least they're tell. not going to start six and zero oh, and then and then fall <laughs> off the table that's true. If you're six and zero, you're guaranteed a, a five hundred season. Six and four, there's no shame in that. In this, if they're if they're six and zero, they're number one in the country because because they because <laughs> they've beaten Alabama, they've beaten Florida, <laughs> they've beaten they've beaten South Carolina, and Tennessee at that point. So yeah, that that's that's the thing about this season is the SEC propaganda machine has always been well, you you can't survive the week to week grind in the SEC. Well, this is the Biggest week-to-week grind we've ever seen in the SEC. And so it'll take a special kind of team to, to come out of that unscathed. I'm ready for it to get started. Well, that'll do it for our debut episode. Again, I'm David Ubbin, The Athletic, Andy Staples. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe. Make sure we're part of your uh, daily routine. And, of course, you can also subscribe to The Andy Staples Show wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic's app. So make sure to tune in to that as well. Football and Grits, the Andy Staples Show, that's quite a one-two punch for anybody who likes college football, but especially in the SEC. Thanks for tuning in.